Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The PGA Tour has been campaigning for the integrity of golf. So why did they so quickly surrender to the Saudi-backed Live Golf League? Also, will the Golden Knights sweep the Stanley Cup Finals? And the Nuggets can flip the script by doing one thing against the Heat. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. It was really over a seven-week time frame. And, you know, the direct answer to, the direct answer to your question is, um, you know, when you get into these conversations and given the complexity of what we were dealing with, um, it's not uncommon that the, the circle of information is very tight. That is PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan. On the announcement Tuesday, the PGA Tour would be merging with the nation and controversial Live Golf Tour. And in fairness to people who would call him a hypocrite, he is being a hypocrite. It was an international incident for PGA Tour players to leave for the Live Tour, backed by the Saudi Public Investment Fund. But when it came to the tour taking the money, without any input from the players who themselves gave up hundreds of millions to stay loyal to the PGA Tour, that was just business. It's actually more like another B word I can't say because I like my job. When the tour lost players to live, they were taking blood money from a state that has allegedly sponsored terrorism, has a heinous record of violence and subjugation of women, gay people, and the press. Monaghan was right when he said that. And to call this anything other than the same blood-soaked money grab would be hypocritical, but in this case, it's even worse. The players were joining Live purely at the expense of the Saudis for all the problematic questions that raises. But the return on that investment was at least in theory just sports washing. The notion that if stars like Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kapka could do business with a government with such a disastrous human rights record, maybe it would be okay for others to do it as well. The benefit was mostly theoretical, esoteric even. This new venture also features the enormous backing of Saudi money to the tour, presumably hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars. They have the cash. But now the PGA Tour is actually in business with them as investors in this venture. The tour isn't just lending some squishy notion of credibility, though they are. A Q rating boost of all the live players combined would never have been able to offer what they're offering. They're creating a business with legitimate profits to be made and returned to Saudi coffers to continue to behave badly as global citizens. And maybe the worst part is the reason is so obvious. They wanted the lawsuits to stop. Phil Mickelson and others were threatening to open the books of the PGA Tour, which could jeopardize their status as a not-for-profit enterprise. That's a laugh line, by the way. I'm holding for applause. The NFL has paid handsomely to avoid litigation whenever Congress wanted to scold or threaten Roger Goodell and company. Lawmakers wag their fingers and act like they're going to investigate the league's nonprofit status to the point the NFL decided in 2015 to relinquish that status to avoid this very same threat of accountability. According to reports, a players meeting received a standing ovation when the idea was raised of new leadership with the tour and who can blame them? They were sold on the idea of partnership. The PGA Tour vastly expanded purses this year, 
created the idea of designated events to goose ratings and made strides in improving the product week in and week out. Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, they could have made hundreds of millions by going to live. And now we'll end up on the same tour as the live crew that took the money with only the last year or two of bruises to their ego to show for it. A slap on the wrist in the form of fines will hardly make this look any better. Rory bathed himself in glory fighting the good fight for the tour and against Liv to the point that he admitted he was exhausted by it and it affected his game, doubly impacting his earning potential all to do what was right. This decision with what seems like no input from the players whose loyalty is literally the sole reason the PGA Tour didn't go under. And that's not hyperbole. If Rory, Tiger, Jordan, JT, Scotty Scheffler, and John Rahm had gone to live, the PGA folds its tents. To decide to make this move without their input is craven and disgusting. Perhaps the most pathetic is the tour and Monaghan will use the same lame excuses about growing the game we all rolled our eyes at back when this all started. And they could actually do it. They will have enough money and enough reach to legitimately affect change. But at this point, how can anyone trust they actually will? If I were guys like Tiger and Rory, I would consider actually leaving the PGA Tour, not to go to live. Do what the SEC has been threatening to do for years. Create your own tour for the players, by the players. Is the Masters really not going to invite Tiger Woods or Rory or Jordan Spieth? This could open Pandora's box in a way the tour never imagined. And you know what? They deserve it. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, is this the year for the Golden Knights? Before we get to that, a couple of Major League Baseball stars will miss games. We'll tell you who. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to who wins the NBA Finals. And there's this interesting prop. FanDuel has the odds on Jimmy Butler to record any triple-double. Any finals game with a triple-double, plus 420. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Heat guard Tyler Hero has been ruled out of Game 3 of the NBA Finals on Wednesday as he recovers from a broken right hand. He broke that hand in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference quarterfinals against the Milwaukee Bucks. While he was hopeful prior to the finals that he would be able to return at some point, it's unclear if and when that return will take place. The good news for the Heat is they come into Game 3 tied 1-1 with the Nuggets, and there remains a tangible belief within the locker room that they will find a way to win no matter who is on the floor. And there's even been a little bit of, are we sure they aren't better without Tyler Hero? I guess we'll see. The New York Yankees will be without Aaron Judge for a bit. Judge suffered a contusion and ligament sprain in his right big toe, which sounds really painful, after the Yanks lost to the White Sox on Tuesday. 
New York manager Aaron Boone said the biggest thing is to get the swelling down. Judge also spent some time on the IL earlier this year because of a hamstring strain. He's got 19 homers in 49 games this year, so still pretty good. The Texas Rangers have lost their ace. Jacob deGrom will have Tommy John surgery and end his 2023 season. DeGrom hadn't pitched since April 28th when he left to start against the Yankees early due to pain in that throwing elbow. Always something that makes baseball fans hold their breath. Rangers GM Chris Young said the goal is for DeGrom to return late in the 2024 season. One of the top prospects in baseball began his major league career in a dramatic win for the Cincinnati Reds on Tuesday. The future now, what's up? This is Jeff Carr from the Lockdown Reds podcast. Steve Offenbaker here as well, still in town. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know that it could have went better. Ellie De La Cruz got a double, 112 miles an hour, the hardest ball hit by a red. And then Maddie McLean walks it off, RBI single to win. In the bottom of the ninth, the Reds come from behind to get the win against the million, multi-million dollar Dodgers. You aren't as fired up as we are. That's true. And you're going to want to make sure to join us on the next Lockdown Reds podcast because, oh my goodness, this party's just starting. That's right. The future is now. Check us out in your podcast feeds tomorrow. And the Blue Jays beat the Astros. Tuesday night, Blue Jays win to even this Astros series. Yes. Hello, friends. Craig Ballard locked on Blue Jays. Downright sporting of Kevin Gosman to allow the Astros leadoff batter of the game to hit a home run because he knew he was going to be locked in and dominant tonight. Should I perhaps say dominant again tonight, right? What a 2023 Kevin Gosman is authoring for the Toronto Blue Jays. On pace for all kinds of franchise records this season, including most strikeouts per nine innings and the best strikeout to walk ratio in franchise history. Gosman at this point actually would have to fall flat on his face to not get that strikeout to walk ratio franchise record. Blue Jays now 6-6 six and six in Gosman starts. Now, how on earth have he's been so good? How are the Blue Jays just a 500 team when Gosman pitches? Because the offense has been completely unacceptable. Blue Jays averaging 3.08 runs per game. Wait, what? That's it? When Gosman starts, they've scored exactly three runs in Gosman's last four starts. Had to actually rally in the eighth today just to keep it from being a fifth straight game of just three runs. Hmm. Now, join me tomorrow on Locked on Blue Jays as we get set for the Hound on the Mound. Is another story you need to know. The Vegas Golden Knights have gotten off to a hot start against the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup Final. Locked on Golden Knights host Tony Cordasco and Chris Golick wonder if the Golden Knights can complete the sweep. It's only a two-game lead. All these numbers are cool. It's awesome. But, you know, now we're in cliche time, Tony. We're in cliche time. You're not in trouble until you... Is it winning you... time yet? What's that? What, is it winning time yet? I hope so. But, right, it's still... Florida still is alive in the cliche pool. You're not in trouble until you lose a game at home. And that's an important thing to mention. I'll counter that with uh, VGK being, what do we say, 10 and 2 on the road in the playoffs or something like that. Whatever the whatever the stat line is, you know, 6 and 2, 8 and 2, whatever it is, I don't care. You know, that's that's what stands out to me. And uh, can Florida protect their jungle or pet farm or pet land, or whatever they call their arena down there? You had a little exchange, I think, with uh, one of the friendly fans from Florida, didn't you? I mean, listen, we had this clown just chirping left and right, and that's fine. Like, I want you to chirp, and I'm going to give it back to you. And if, and if uh, you know, you're able, if your team is able to do better than my team, chirp me back, and I'll gladly take it just the way I'm going to give it. But uh, Jeffrey Barry, uh, be afraid. Be, this is before game one. 
you know, let's see. What the heck are you talking about? Being down, being down a record-breaking Boston three games to one is more pressure than Vegas ever felt. Panthers are undefeated in six overtime games. Yeah, it gets overtime first. Panthers are undefeated in six overtime games, not to mention a four-overtime game. I think the pressure, you guys are clueless about the Florida Panthers on an 11-1 win streak. You will all learn very soon. Be afraid. Be very afraid. I'm afraid the goal lines aren't going to win this thing at home, Jeff Barry. You're right. I'm afraid. You really do think that VGK should uh, sweep because you said that could have been the last game at the Fortress last night. I said there's a chance. Absolutely. You know, and I was very, I made sure to tell Chris a bunch of times, just in case this is the last time we're at T-Mobile this season, take a look around as we're walking out, you know, watch everyone walking down the stairs, get these memories in your head because it could be the last time. And I hope it is. I don't think it's going to be. I think Vegas, I think uh, Florida is going to win one of these games. You got to assume they're going to figure out a way to do that. But just in case, I'm trying to keep grounded in the moment. I did the same thing when uh, the Vegas lost to the Montreal Canadiens in the conference final to go down 3-2. I said the same thing. Chris, this could be the last time we're uh, walking out these doors. Just take a look around, try and enjoy it for a second, because this is what's going to be in your head for the next, uh, you know, three or four months. If, uh, you know, depending on how it all works out. Uh, last night, that uh, was, uh, again, penalty minutes, a deciding factor, perhaps uh, just again, just gets out of control. Uh, all of those uh, players that were run at the end. 84 minutes for Florida, 64 for the VGK, 148 total penalty minutes. Is Florida at some point going to settle down and stay out of the box in game three? And I have to ask that. And this is an honest question, Chris, because I went back to the box scores from the last series against the Hurricanes, and it was 10 minutes, Florida's penalty minutes, 10, 6, 8, and 12. So that was a per, a per game breakdown. How many penalty minutes they got? Yeah, thirty six total in a four game series. That was it. Oh, they they, they do that. <laughs> I mean, so can this team settle? Can they settle? Yeah, they had thirty six. I think in the first period, uh, definitely in the third period. So the so the Florida Panthers last night almost more than doubled their complete penalty minute output in the last series. <laughs> yes. Listen, as when I ref the beer league games, guys, I see this. This is very similar to what I'm seeing. And maybe this isn't fair to the Panthers and their fans, but I'll say it anyway. You have one team who, you know, they're pro probably they're going to be the league champions. You have one team that's, uh, you know, they're going to be the last place in that league. And, you know, the game starts, the game is kind of close, maybe for three or four minutes. And then the better team scores a goal or two. And then the losing team just gets pissed off that it's happening and they can't keep up and they're taking penalties. They're trying, they're not even trying to play dirty. They're just trying to keep up and, you know, they start committing penalties and stuff. Then the game just gets completely away from them. That is exactly what has happened through the first two games. I'm not saying Florida is not a worthy opponent. I'm not saying anything negative about Florida's path to get here. Besides Toronto, Toronto's a layup. Toronto doesn't count. That, that That's a layup for any team. But Boston, Carolina, give them all the credit in the world for beating them, especially Boston. Now, for whatever reason, once they get to the cup final, I mean, Vegas is a great team. Vegas has earned all the respect, whether people want to acknowledge it. Vegas has earned all the respect as they are two games away from, even if Vegas fades and, Loses next four. Vegas has earned respect. It's been a remarkable year. Win, lose, or draw at this point. Stay up to date all year on the Vegas Golden Knights by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Golden Knights on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. 
Coming up, the Nuggets can flip the script with one thing in Game 3 against the Heat. Game 2 saw a much better shooting performance for the Miami Heat, and that's why the Denver Nuggets fell, right? Locked on Nuggets host Adam Aris and Matt Moore see something else as the main catalyst for the Heat. Well, the big thing for me is, you know, Kevin Love starting allows Jimmy Butler to guard Jamal Murray. And let's just start there. He's a heck of a defender. And he is the type of guy, Jimmy Butler, that controls the game with his defense, meaning he controls the tempo of the game by understanding where Denver's rhythms come from and disrupting that rhythm. So Denver, even though they scored at a really high level, being able to take away the main pick and roll option with Jokic is obviously why that game felt so clunky. And then it wasn't just guarding him. We also know, you know, that wears him down, just having to go up against somebody that's more physically imposing than he is. Murray being six foot five is usually at least equal to whoever's guarding him in physicality, but Butler stronger, bigger. But then the other way, we talk about the series being so much about cross matches. There's a lot of, if you don't score, odds are Murray's going to be matched up with Jimmy Butler in transition, which just throws Denver's defense off and their defensive rotations off. So that was the number one thing in terms of, you know, adjustment. There's a lot more. But when we talk about this game, any problem Denver has in offense, make Jokic a score, make him a pat. What do you do here? Those are half-court things. Whatever Miami can do, they can do them in the half court. The thing about this Heat team is the main catalyst for the Heat is whatever works that night and then shooting. But you never know who that shooting is going to come from, where that playmaking is going to come from. Sometimes it's Jimmy Butler. Sometimes it's Bam Adebayo. Sometimes it's a player you were not even sure was an NBA player before that night. And then sure enough, there they were. That's just this Heat team. They're like cockroaches. They are going to show up whenever they need to, and when you least want them to if you're playing them. And finally, Oklahoma softball coach Patty Gasso said Tuesday that she tells her players, you must be unapologetic for the way you play the game with energy and outwardly celebrate your triumphs, even if their triumphs are as seemingly unimportant as a walk. Gasso said, because women have worked so hard to get here, yet still get judged for those things, that's the way we play. And that's what people enjoy. Or you don't. You either like it or you don't. But we're not going to apologize for these players knowing the game and celebrating the right way. Perhaps Oklahoma's critics are just jealous or mildly annoyed. During the Sooners' 51-game winning streak, which dates back to February 19th, they've outscored opponents, get this, 420 to 49. They hate them because they ain't them. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who will get the next advantage in the NBA Finals? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.